Welcome again to another edition of the IDS Hour. I'm your host, Paul Honeycutt, joined as always by Jeff Volker. Jeff, today we're looking at the fourth of the four mysteries that we find in Scripture. And this one is very puzzling to me, I'll just be honest with you. As I was on my way, uh, making my way over here today to do these recordings, um, I, I was thinking to myself, yeah, how do, how do I understand this? And what we're talking about is prayer. How mm. does prayer work? Does, are, are we able to influence God when we pray? I mean, is it is it all just mind games? What the heck is prayer? How does that work? Okay. Okay. Um is probably one of the most practical mm -hmm. of all mysteries, you know. So turn to Philippians chapter 4, and let's try to sort our way through this. Beginning at verse 4, Paul says to the believers at Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he's telling us that you need to pray about whatever it is you're concerned about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fair to say that, that, the, it is that you expect God to answer prayer. But, just to play the other side here, it says present your requests, but it doesn't say, and you're going to get what you asked for. It says, and the peace of God. Well, that is true. Will guard you. It, so, so it's the act of praying that brings the peace? Well, the, uh, no, well, yes, in that, from a certain perspective, it's a mm -hmm. good point, that praying puts our concerns, we give them to God. Right. And because we do that, we do that with the awareness he's going to, act on our concerns right. now how he's going to address our concerns that's up to him right but we can then be at peace that we've uh presented those concerns to him so that really assumes that god is going to do something right well i think it also though to be fair says do not be anxious about anything but in everything so by praying i'm acknowledging that whatever is going to happen mm -hmm. is is up to god Mm -hmm. Not up to me. I have no ultimate control in the matter. So therefore, I just hand it to God and say, God, here, I'm trusting you for whatever it is that's going to take place. Now, obviously, we'd be praying about specific situations. But you, you, you mentioned this morning at, at, at church, I mean, we don't have a whole lot of control <laughs> over much in this life, truly. You know? Well, that is true, but even going to another passage, okay. the book of James, James, chapter 4. James chapter 4, mm -hmm. and beginning at verse 3. Okay. When you ask, you do not receive, get what you ask for, mm -hmm. because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Mm -hmm. Okay, and he says... And, and you go to verse 2 before that, you do not, the last part of the verse says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Mm. Oh, so when you read this, you're saying, well, obviously I don't have because I didn't ask. Prayer certainly must bring things to pass. Right. And I think that is a fair um, sort of understanding that we have, that prayer 
does bring things to pass. We would all admit that God may surprise us with how he answers it, mm -hmm. but the idea is he does answer it one way or another. Right. Even a no is, it, is an answer. It's just not always pleasant for us to deal mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that dovetails into the next question. So prayer is, seems to be, it's, it's, we're told to pray about everything. We're told that we don't have some things because we haven't asked for them right. in prayer. Okay. okay, and we said we don't get some things in prayer because we ask with wrong motives. Got that. But then the question comes, okay, does prayer change God's mind? Mm. Is that part of what prayer does? Now, because we, we, we understand that we talk about prayer, we, there's really two ways to talk about it. Mm -hmm. One is that when I pray, prayer changes me. That as I'm talking to God, it helps me sort of like reading the Psalms. David begins a Psalm distraught over something, but mm -hmm. by the time he gets to the end of the Psalm, he's praising God. Mm. Okay, so another way of saying this, is prayer therapeutic? Does it help us kind of get a grasp of the situation? And the answer is yes, mm -hmm. it does. But no, does that mean then that prayer is purely psychological? Well, no, 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 because as we have seen, Prayer also is the means by which we get things. Mm -hmm. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay, so that is where the question of does prayer change God's mind comes in. I pray so that God would incline himself to do something maybe that he was not going to do. I don't know. And so, and of course, there's all sorts of, we both know, maybe we could share some stories because both Paul and I come out of the Jesus movement, and we can have some interesting stories, mm -hmm. especially about prayer. How prayer can be used to try to manipulate God, mm -hmm. and uh, things like that. But there is scripture to this. There is scripture. And uh, feel free to uh, pass, to introduce any historical anecdotes about <laughs> your past. I'm afraid to. I'm sure you have something on this one. First uh, Samuel 15. This is that famous account where the Samuel, the judge, mm -hmm. is used by God to communicate to Saul, the first king of Israel, that mm -hmm. God is fed up with him right. and that he's going to remove him and replace him with David. So that's the scene. And so you pick it up in verse 10 where it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. This is God speaking. I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. So now if we're just reading that, being honest, this getting it's just face value, we would say, as God observed Saul's life, mm -hmm. he is now grieved about his choice. And we would say that if I knew now if I knew then what I know now about Saul, uh, I wouldn't have chosen him. Mm. And this is where it looks like God is now changing his mind. Saul, yeah, it's looked like a good choice initially, proved bad. Ah, now I got to change my mind. Now I'm going to mm. go with David. And if God were like us, right. that would make perfect sense because we change our mind all the time. But for us to change our mind, we need new information. Mm -hmm. So we get new information. And now that we have this new information, it affects our previous right. decisions. Okay, 
So now go to the end. So this is verses 27 through 29, the end of the scene. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. Of course, that's David. But then verse 29, this is the verse. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. So he does appear to change his mind. We would say, absolutely, he appears to change his mind. But God says, but I can't because I'm not a man. Meaning, when God determines everything before it happens, the sovereign will of God, so if he determines everything before it happens, the concept of new information, that is a category that does not exist Mm -hmm. with God. Mm -hmm. It does with us because we're creatures in time, past, present, and future, but with God, he's really outside of time. That's another discussion. But he deter- for a simplistic way, he determines everything before it happens. So then the concept of new information doesn't apply to him. So therefore, he, it's not possible for him to change his mind. Because at the beginning, he knows everything because he's determined everything. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing, the concept of new just doesn't fit with God. Correct. Well, our last uh, session where we were talking about sovereignty and, 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 and man's responsibility, it strikes me, I mean, does God, and I don't know if I've heard this before, but is it a case where God has already determined what's going to happen in, in, in our lives ultimately, but God has commanded us to pray, is he, is he in a sense, changing us so that we will pray more in line with what he intends to do? Or, or or is it just simply a matter of I'm trusting God when I pray for whatever it is, I'm trusting him that whatever the answer or whatever the outcome, it's his will and therefore I'm okay. Yeah, I think, I think the second is the more yeah. correct view. That when I pray, uh, I ask for something to happen. Mm-hmm. But unless it's something that Scripture clearly promises, right? Let's say, you know, for me, um, so uh, during the summers I travel to Belarus, Romania, mm-hmm. Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I are going to a conference in London. Where we have to be in March. So let's say Belarus. I'm going to Belarus, but I, but the downside is I have to raise the money for the trip. Okay, so I ask the Lord to raise the money for the trip, okay? But there's no passage in Scripture that, that's a promise from God that, mm. that I'm going to raise the money for that trip. There's just no promise. I think it makes sense biblically. It's a good thing to do, but I don't know God's sovereign will. So when whether I say it or not, this is what I, I need to understand, that at the end I need to say, Lord, but your will be done. Sort of, if it be, I'm praying, if it be your will, meaning sovereign will. Because I don't know. I'm giving my guest best take as to what I think would be a, a proper request that agrees with Scripture. But I don't know your sovereign will, so I'm submitting in advance to however this works out, that's okay with me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the idea. And... And you're no longer anxious, not that you maybe were, but 
But that idea of do not be anxious, but in everything, you know, make your prayer request known. That's basically what you're doing in regards to raising the funds to go yeah, on the trip. Yeah, that is very true. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I'm supposed to be responsible. That is, I'm supposed to pray. Mm-hmm. I know prayer doesn't change God's mind because of 1 Samuel 15. Uh, prayer does at times change me. Because even as I pray, I'm reminded of what Scripture says. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. I'm better spiritually at the end of the prayer. So that there is that sense. That's true. But I put my request out there. I then submit to God's to God's unfold the unfolding of his sovereign will. I submit in advance mm-hmm. to that. And that's really what I do. Another completely different question going in another direction. It was just you asked me about my past and experiences in prayer. Because uh, I know he has a very rich. Person. No, it's not that. Yes, very I'm colorful. A, I had most of it expunged in the courts. No, uh, but years and years ago, I worked for a, for a fellow, a, a company, that was a Christian company. I do that with quotations, but he was very much into the health, wealth, prosperity way of thinking, mm. and prayer was a big deal. I mean, you know, it was it was almost genie in a bottle kind of prayer attitude and and such. So. Prayer was very prevalent, but what I found questionable more often than not was what they were actually praying or asking for or, or almost assuming from God. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's, how do we counter that? From a biblical standpoint, you know, if somebody says, well, so then is it okay for me to pray for you know, anything? You know, the, go back to the passage in James, you have not because you haven't prayed. Or, or where, where do you draw those lines? Where do you draw those distinctions? Okay, no. When I pray, I have to pray in the Spirit. And the, the idea of that is I have to pray in a way that honors God. Okay. So I'm not allowed to be selfish or greedy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, example, uh, like 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all, do it all for the glory of God. Okay. So when I pray, my prayer has to be in line with that. Mm. I can't pray that the Lord would, you know, cause my neighbor harm for my good. Mm. No, it's not very good. Um, so as long as I'm praying biblically, and when I pray biblically, there's either I'm either praying for something that the Bible promises. Example, the Bible promises that you and I as believers will persevere in our faith because mm. God will promise to preserve us. So we can take him to the bank on that. Right. We can believe him for that because he's already promised that. But um, would it be wrong to ask him for a long life? We have no way to know how long we're. You can you can ask him for a long life, mm-hmm. but there's no promise. Right. And you'd have to then say at the end, Lord, your will be done. Right. Uh, because I don't. You're going to decide whether or not my request fits into your sovereign plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet at the same time, this is where the mystery part comes in. God has revealed in Scripture His sovereignty that is unchangeable. Mm -hmm. And yet He's also revealed that prayer brings things to pass. But it doesn't change His mind. That's where the mystery lies in the mechanism of prayer. That's where it lies. So we do believe prayer brings things to pass. We're told we don't have things because we didn't ask for things. Yet at the same time, I get things that I don't ask for, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't change my responsibility to ask. Mm -hmm. But when I ask for things, then unless Scripture 
categorically promises those things, I, I can't presume, I can't claim it, because there's no promise to claim. I just say, Lord, if it be your will, mm-hmm. I will like this. Your will be done. Your sovereign will will be done. So you really... God could have simplified things, at least from a human point of view. He could have just not talked about his sovereign will. Mm-hmm. Just talked about responsibility. But he didn't. He gave us both. So while we pray, I cannot pray as though I'm not aware of the sovereignty of God. Right. I, you know, I've known you know, some friends who that's, this whole concept has distressed them. And mm-hmm. I understand it's difficult because they felt that if they asked for something in prayer, yet at the same time they were aware of God's unchanging, unfolding sovereign will, mm-hmm. that somehow their prayer wasn't genuine. Mm. That you sort of have to pray as though the sovereign will doesn't exist. And I can't do that because I know it does exist. Sure. Yet at the same time, I know Scripture says I need to pray. I just live, we call that living with a tension. Mm-hmm. And we just have to live with it. Um, I know no other better answer mm-hmm. than that, and yet prayer is so integral to the to the life of the believer, and yet it does get really mucked up badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there no there is no formula, mm-hmm. there is no sort of key to get your prayers answered. What about the the name of Jesus? That that oh that thing, yeah that, no, that no. used a lot. Oh, that does. But in praying in Jesus' name, all that means is in the book of Hebrews, remember, it says that because of the cross, we can go boldly to the throne of grace. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus satisfied he, you know, the wrath of God in our place, so therefore God's wrath is no longer on us. So we're unconditionally accepted by the Father when we believe. So we, can, so we belong to his family. We can go boldly to the throne of grace and put our requests before him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, that is a truth that that we have. Uh, that in that's what it means. I'm able to have this freedom and privilege in prayer mm-hmm. of to ask things, anything of the Father, because what Jesus did for me in the cross. That's what that means. It was never meant to be a, a tack on, mm-hmm. as though it's not a proper prayer if you don't, <laughs> yeah, if you don't in Jesus' it. name. Yeah. No, you need to pray with the understanding that you're praying, but the reason you're praying is because Jesus purchased this privilege, which is yours as being part of the family of God. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with putting it at the end, if that's what you mean. But if you use it as a tack-on, mm-hmm. no. Then, the, then you are misusing it, you're not glorifying God. Yeah, just the thought you, you you were kidding about uh, our ages or my age with the gray beard and all that. But you know, it's interesting as I get older. One of the one of the benefits I really believe in, in getting older is you're able to see the folly in so much of you know the things you used to chase as a young person no, yeah. and possessions, positions, whatever, whatever those things are. And part of that's because you get old and tired and you don't have the energy. But but you do. You begin to see. I think with a clear eye. I think in much the same way. This is the whole issue of prayer. The longer I'm a believer, the more I understand and know this God, the less prone I am to ask for silly things or to, you know what I mean, to, to, that I'm more, more enabled, very imperfectly, but I'm more able to really go to him in prayer about the, the things that really matter, the things that really mm-hmm. count, and not the silly stuff that you sometimes hear people you know, go on about, and and I don't know if that if that has anything to do with our topic, but it just struck me that 
Um, you know, the, the prayer life can become much richer because you're praying about eternal things more than you're praying about now and mm-hmm. sustenance and goodies or whatever it is some people pray for. No, you're right. I, I, I agree. You, well, in, in that sense, things become a bit clearer mm-hmm. the older you get. That yeah, is one yeah. of the side benefits of... Need more uh, glasses, but they're still yeah, clear. Right? Yeah, still, yeah. <laughs> yes. No, oh, I wish man. I could... Yeah, I wish you know, either I had the money or you know for surgery in the eyes. Oh. Or, and it, assuming my eyes qualified, I would love to do it. Yeah. So I didn't have glasses. Oh, I, I would love that. But that's not. Hey. But at least I have glasses. It, that's, that's there you go. That is there you go. Because I can right. imagine what's it like if I didn't have them. Now my glasses are not severe, mm-hmm. but it means that I, I, if I was walking to an airport, I have a very difficult time reading signs. Mm-hmm. A- anything beyond like ten feet away, that's mm-hmm. where I have the difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with the glasses, though, it's, it makes it very easy. But this is uh, this subject matter about prayer is uh, is, is really huge mm-hmm. because I think there's so much gar- garbage in our evangelical culture attached to sure. you know it, it really you're trying to, you're trying to manipulate God to get what you want. Mm-hmm. If you want something that's more foolproof. I can guarantee you know uh, that. If you do this, you'll get this. Well, yeah. If we if we we get into the habit of praying for good things to happen, when quite frankly, sometimes the bad, you know, in our view, things that are happening are actually for our good. We're not understanding that. We're not seeing that. So we have to be very careful sometimes what we are praying for. Yeah, Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good for the believer. Right. All things. I mean, you know, you get I get cancer tomorrow. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not to say to say that it, this is what my loving father. This is what this is for my good. What he wants me to go mm-hmm. through, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's good to know. Yeah, uh, especially when tough things happen. Exactly. So this is our last mystery prayer. We dealt with the Trinity. Jesus is fully God and fully man. How that works out? Mm-hmm. We shrug the shoulders at that one. God is determines everything before it happens, and yet man is held responsible for all his choices particularly he is blamed for evil or blamed for not becoming a believer mm-hmm. when the only way you can become a believer is if God chooses you yeah. and then of course prayer prayer doesn't change God's mind it does bring things to pass how does it work shrug yeah. the shoulders yeah. I don't know yeah. well as always if you have questions if you'd like to discuss this more uh, in more detail or more depth with Jeff you can reach him at area code 480 Three one three eight five five eight. My email address is volker.jeff at gmail.com. Skype name is Jeff Volker, no s- space in between. And I'd be more than glad to interact with you and talk with you. Uh, I'm not really inclined to enter into a long, prolonged uh, email discussions or texting long things because I'd rather talk uh, on the phone, Skype, or the myriad of apps that are available mm-hmm. to talk with. Uh, that's wonderful. So we'll be glad to talk. Right. And as always, if you'd like to support this ministry, uh, you can do that via the website. All the information is right there. Uh, and until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. That one was a lot shorter. Yeah, we ran out of stuff to talk about. Um, <laughs> I almost said, I almost said and we're prayerful you're going to support <laughs> <laughs>